the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For 1600, uh, our special podcast co-hosted by the Baron Boris Epstein and me, Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to the president. This is, I do believe, maybe episode 27. 27. 20, you heard it right there. The voice of God came in from the ether and confirmed my math. Baron, welcome. Hello. Hello. Well, it's good to be here. 27. What do you mean here? You're not here, you fake news. I call fake news. You are connected by Comrex, and everyone who sees this video will know that he is in an undisclosed location. Why is that a problem? Why? Because opposite me, in front of the empty chair, that is the Baron's chair. It is the baronial chair. The baronial chair. The baronial chair. I placed two tins, two tins. Of delightful little cigarillos that one of our listeners sent me for the Baron. But he cannot have them. More gifts. More gifts. More gifts for the Baron. Baronial gifts. Baronial gifts. And I've tried them. I got a couple of tins myself. They are absolutely delicious. One of them is coffee-flavored cigarillos. So I I will put these in a safe place for once you are back in our headquarters. But thank you to all our listeners for being so nice. That is so wonderful. Gifts are always welcome. <laughs> not, not not requested, but always welcome. What is the brand of Sensibros? The brand is one I hadn't heard of. It's called Panther, as in panther. And it's got a panther lying atop a cigar as its symbol. And it's really good. I tried them with my son, who is over the age of 21. And we both said, a delightful, it is the little cigarillo you have after you finish the large one and you still want a little bit of a something but aren't ready for another big stogie, this is the perfect little après cigar cigar. Well, I love that. That sounds wonderful. Can't wait to check it out. And by the way, I just have to share this with you. I was talking to somebody from the industry, the radio podcast industry yesterday, who said, Sebastian, I listen to your podcast and I love it. But you know what? You've got to have a cigar sponsor you talk about cigars so flipping much, and you haven't sold the podcast to a cigar company to sponsor. Baron, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a wonderful idea. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a great idea. We could go to uh, – what's that about the, the huge company that literally no, owns every cigar company oh. in the world? Uh, well, in, in America, there's the huge, huge cigar stores that are JR. Then there's Rocky Patel's. But you're talking about a big international one, right? Yeah, I think you, you know, it's Altadis. Is the oh, one. yes. Okay. So, so do you have it. some connections there, Boris? Well, I'll see what I can do. I'll see. You know, 
I, I may know some people who know some people. Have your people talk to their people. There you go. Well, I, but I think it is a great idea. Except then, you know, the next the next step is we'll be smoking this at the at, at Casa de Monte Cristo over there on 18th Street, in uh, which I'm fine with. By the Slumming way, slumming it. Slumming yeah. it at Casa we'll be, de Monte Cristo. We'll be upstairs with where my locker is with, with my and maybe my little boy's name on it just for fun. No, my four-year-old is not smoking cigars. <laughs> okay, everybody take it. Relax. The, everybody Relax. take it easy. That's just – it was because my, my little boy's name is also my great-grandfather's. My, my little boy's name is my grandfather's name. name. So it's his great-grandfather's name. So it's for, uh, for a nice memory and a nice thought. But, yeah, I mean, I think that would be a great location for us to have, a, to have our podcast. Maybe – Oh my God! I've got a I've got an idea. What? I've got an idea. What? We do these on Wednesday because today is Wednesday. Yes, right? and we yes we do. We record them on Wednesday. We load the audio podcast on Wednesday, and then the video drops on our YouTube channel, America First, on Saturdays. So my, here's the idea: November third is a Tuesday. <sighs> November fourth will be a Wednesday. And I'm not sure. If Don't tempt any... fate. Don't tempt fate. If the, uh, what are you planning? Hey, I'm not planning anything. But I'm saying when we win, because President Trump <laughs> is going to win re-election, we could potentially do our podcast that day celebrating with a couple of stogies at Casa de Monte Cristo. And then we have to do what? If, God willing, the president wins, if everybody who loves this nation does their part, what do we, what do we then call this show? Do we call it the battle for the next best cigar? I mean, what do we call it? We call it the continued battle. The continued battle. Yes. The forever. The, the forever for, battle. The, the, the constant battle. The perpetual Ooh, battle. Perpe- perpetual. perpetual battle for 69. Because, listen, you know politics, right? As soon as this election is over <laughs> on November 3rd, right? And, and, hey, by the way, let's hope it is over on November oh, 3rd. We've got, Democrat- got to talk about that. We'll talk Democrat- about that. We will. And Democrats don't have their way and, and drag it out and try to try to play some, some, some of their usual schemy games. As soon as this is over, you're going to have a billion candidates thinking about 2024. Yes, Exactly. Um, and then, so we'll have plenty to talk about because it'll be the perennial battle. The perennial battle for 1600. We have so. Let's stop talking about cigars, man. Let's talk about politics. The president was on Fox and Friends well, this I, What? He, I'm he, gonna, he, he thinks he's a co host. My co host thinks he's a co host. Sorry, co sorry, host. I do have to tell you <laughs> that I did smoke a great cigar. What, what uh, was it? It was a Trinidad. Oh, that's that's a serious cigar. It's a serious. That's it was, a heavy, serious post-prandial, post-dinner cigar. It was a, it was it was a heavy time. What size? Um, it was the extra robusto. Oh, I like robusto. Yeah, no, it was a nice. I sent you the picture. It's a, it was a yes. Solid, the burn was great. The cigar was great. I, I lit her up at around eleven uh, thirty, and it lasted me till about one a.m. So I was happy. Wow! With that. Don't you hate it when you have a good cigar and it doesn't burn well? It's too tight or it tunnels. It drives me insane. That's the worst. But, hey, it was, it was a good night. It's always a good time. And you know what? Now, because we talk about these things, when I do have a nice smoke and maybe a drink to go with it, a nice Glenn Farkless in this case, I think about, hey, next time we're, we have the Battle for 1600, uh, you know, and we have our cigar section of the show, the cigar segment, I'll have something to talk about. Now, over to you. Have you smoked anything solid in the last couple of days? I had a Monty number two, which was delicious. Ooh, nice. My favorite. I mean, it's, it's what I cut my teeth on as a wee little boy. Not seriously. And it's still my favorite. And then 
the thing that really gutted me, and I promise, guys, it's okay. We will talk about politics. The thing that gutted me, driving to the studio today, I realized, hey, what day is it? Is it Tuesday or is it Wednesday? And I realized we missed it. You are probably out of town, so it doesn't matter. But we missed it. My local cigar lounge that has the best off-label cigars, my favorite, my regular smokes. Yesterday night was the first of the month conservative cigar night. I actually thought about that today. And I wondered to myself, oh, I wonder if Seb went yesterday. But guess what? Maybe, hopefully, we're both there next week, yes. next month. Next month. September we go. Let's do it. Let's plan it. Okay, we are going to discuss perhaps, uh, what, do they, what do they call those, Shad, when you're broadcasting somewhere else? Remotes. Yeah, remote broadcast. Hey, listen to the Baron. He knows his lingo. Live from Conservative Cigar Night. There you go. See, we've already got a liner. We could do a remote broadcast from Conservative Cigar Night in my favorite local lounge. Actually, it's, it's, it's a, um, what do you call it when you're outside? It's a courtyard. It's outside. That's it's, even better. It's delightful. Oh, actually, yesterday... Yesterday was the massive storm, right? All right, so they probably didn't even yeah, have so it. Yeah, so they didn't even have it. What am I talking about, silly boy? So next month. Next, next month. month. Okay. Next month. Let's, let's dive on in. So much to discuss from uh, Joe Biden's cocaine habits to <laughs> sticky fingers to um, polling latest approval ratings. Let's, let's just start with something you already mentioned, the, uh, the night of the election. What's going to happen? Will we know who's won? This is from the president this morning, 40, 50 minutes on Fox and Friends. This is tying together the voting with the question of debating. Cut 20, play cuts. The one problem I have, the debate's very late. It's at the end of September, and a lot of ballots will already be cast by that time. They want to make the debates as late as possible. And, you know, this commission, they've already apologized to before what they did. They were oscillating my mic during one debate. They've actually apologized, if you can believe it. I have it in writing that they, they were doing it. But why are they putting the first debate so late? The first debate should be before the first, at least before the first ballots go out. And they have it a month later, almost a month later. It's ridiculous. Yeah, September 29th but in Ohio. Regardless what it is, I'm ready to debate. I don't care. Do you- I hear he wants to get out, but, but he has, in all fairness to him, he has not said that. Isn't that just reasonable? I mean, why should people be... What is the logic of voting before the two candidates debate, Baron? There's absolutely no logic. And I actually have an op-ed that's going to come out uh, in the next 24 hours. He's just always got something. He's just always... Do you ever sleep, Boris? No, sleeping is... No, sleeping is for losers. You can sleep when you're dead. I understand. There's no sleeping. What's the op-ed? Tell us... Give us a little tease about the op-ed. This is a super exclusive preview of an op-ed that's not even out yet. And the op-ed is this. Americans should not vote before Joe Biden debates. Okay? And, and because there's, you've got 16 battleground states that are going to be doing early voting before, before September 29th wow. when the first debate is scheduled. And, of course, the Biden campaign says, well, no, you know, you don't really need to see Joe. You've known Joe for 50 years. But guess what? Today's Joe Biden, today's Joe Biden, it's not the Joe Biden of 88. It's not the no. Joe Biden of 08. It's not the Joe Biden of 12. And it's not even the Joe Biden of four years ago. I mean, this guy's a mess. That video of him, I mean, with Errol Barnett from CBS, Errol Barnett, African-American reporter, asks Joe Biden on, on a Zoom, of course, because Biden's uh, somewhere in the dark depths of Delaware in his basement. Okay? <laughs> so he asks, he asks Joe Biden, have you taken a cognitive test? 
Joe Biden loses his mind and says, you asking me, Joe Biden, who is obviously enfeebled, if I need a cognitive test, is like me asking you if you are a junkie on cocaine. So what was he saying about... he was angry. Whoa. What was he saying? Exactly. Very angry. What was he saying about Errol Barnett? Well, um, we could infer. I mean, remember what happened last time. This is... uh, uh, Eric, our colleague here, said this This is the new you ain't black moment, isn't it, Boris? It, it is. I mean, he, he was talking to an African-American reporter, and, and, and he said, you asking me about cognitive tests is about me, is like me asking you if you're a cocaine-riddled junkie. What? From, what is that? From the same Joe Biden who said that he regularly has cognitive tests. Exactly. And by the way, now it's funny how the media always adds, oh, well, he was definitely referring to how he's tested by being on the campaign trail. He never said that. No. He never said that. That's the media just playing as comms director, okay? That's all that is. That is total BS. He, has, he was saying he was regularly tested. He is, and now he's saying he's not being tested. And, he, and his point is this, that it is obviously clear Joe Biden even knows that he needs these cognitive tests. Is he saying it's obviously clear that this African-American support, a, a reporter from, from CBS is obviously a cocaine junkie? What, what is he saying? Is he saying that if you're a black reporter, you must be a drug addict? I mean, you... I, I mean, what... what that's brilliant. And listen, this is not spin. This that's what is, he said. That's what, what he, he said. said. How else could you interpret that? Why would he say that? Why would, he, why, why would he say cocaine? And also, who's talking about... Why are you talking about cocaine and junkies... During you know, this event with black reporters and Latino reporters, what are you, what's going on, Joe? You know, you know, you know James, he's, just not, he's just not there. Yeah, well, to that point, you know James Woods, right, the actor? Yes. So James Woods, who is an absolute beast on Twitter. Beast, he, full he, beast. He took, I think, a year or a year and a half off after they last suspended him. He was so pissed at Twitter. Well, he's back. He came back, what, a month ago, two months ago. And he made a point um, on his Twitter feed, and it's, it's really – you know, this is seriously what we have to discuss. He said, um, as a person who has had family members suffer from dementia and premature senility, one of the things you realize very early on is that one of the side effects or the consequences of, of dementia is that the, the, there's no filter, that the, the, real, right. the real person comes through. There's no break. There's no, mouth on, there's no break on the mouth. What they think automatically comes out. And he said, this is what we are seeing with Joe Biden. And this, this vituperative, this, this you, know, you know, zero to 60 in a nanosecond in terms of aggression, this simply is the real Joe Biden, is James Woods' take as a person who's experienced this in his family. It's horrible. And there's more videos coming out. Trump War Room actually just tweeted another video out of Biden from the same interview, I believe, talking about, um, yeah, it's from the same interview, talking about trade. And then he starts talking about China. And he's completely unintelligible. It's a total. It, uh, here's the deal. It's, it, and we're not here to play doctor. We're not here to pick, up, pick on a man who's obviously having trouble. That's not what we're doing. We're here to talk about the fact that this guy thinks he should be president of the United States of America with his finger on the nuclear button. Right. He, and, and he, and he li- he's a disaster. He's a mess. So back to your earlier point, of course they don't want him debating because whatever he – he can't even do lo- layup interviews. I mean, it is, it is worrying. It's, it's 
extremely troubling. And again, you know, so the op-ed I'm writing is that we need a debate before we need a debate before early voting starts because Americans need to see the current version of Joe Biden. Right. Today's version. So I, I had a long discussion with, with I, 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 I'm not at liberty to, to, I didn't ask if I can mention his name, but one of the biggest publishers or one of the most influential publishers um, in America. And, and he said, I mean, devoid of, and this is a very straight shooting guy. He said, devoid of politics. And he says, you know, things are not as dark as some would have you believe when it comes to the, the president's polling figures. He says the, the, one of the, the greatest concerns for anybody who's just reasonable, forget about D or R after their name, is this question of, of the fact that this individual is the person who would have the toughest job in the world. I mean, literally. I mean, you have the, 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 the Western world is, is looking at your every move. You're supposed to be in control of the nuclear launch codes. And this person said, did you notice something, Sebastian? Every single event he's done since he's left his basement, he takes a couple of questions and he leaves before 6 p.m. You cannot see an event now with Joe Biden that runs into the evening. And that, that means he is they, – they know he's not physically capable, and that is a threat – to national security if the man at the top is incapable of doing his job. And he thinks that could actually affect Democrat voters as much as anybody else. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, this Biden is somebody who at this point is confined to being a a locked-in puppet in his basement. I mean, they just canceled their whole convention. Yeah. He he was supposed to go to, to Milwaukee at least to make the speech. He's not doing that anymore. He'll do it from some basement somewhere in Delaware. Maybe he'll they'll let him pop his head out like on Groundhog Day. <laughs> but you know this is where this is where they are, and and the Democrats knowing know it, they're enabling it, and really in a way actually it's very sad they're taking advantage of this of this old man who is just let's be honest, let's be honest is not there anymore. Hang on. I, I, we always have this discussion. They're taking advantage of an old corrupt man. Okay? So let's let's have a, a little bit of break on our sympathy. This is oh, one, of sure. the, one of the most corrupt men. I mean, just Peter Schweitzer's book, everything we know about the Ukraine deal for his son, the Chinese bank deal for Rosemont Seneca. Yes, he's old. He's decrepit. He's potentially senile. He's also been there for 47 years, and he's one of the most corrupt politicians in American history. Corrupt and power-obsessed. Oh, and, and bigot. And a bigot. I mean, you know, remember, my segregationist colleagues are fine gentlemen. I don't want my children to grow up in a, quote, racial, racial jungle. jungle. Right. Come on, guys. I mean, this, this guy is dis- disqualified before he even began to run. He is somebody who has spent a career being a mess. But now he's even worse of a mess, right? right? And you're right about that. The anger is coming out. So, and then look, let's let's go look broader, right? So, what does that mean for this country? And look at his picks for VP since you and I last recorded last week. Karen Bass, one of his top picks for VP, has been exposed to be a communist. She's a communist, okay? And I'm sorry if you're eulogizing communists, okay? If you are saying that it, that that the Cuban people will miss. Fidel Castro, if you traveled to Cuba in cooperation with the communist government, you're a communist. Okay? But, not, but not only that, somebody dug up an interview of hers, whatever it was, 20 years ago, when she was part of a pro 
Castro organization here in the United States, where she was de- described as the a, a brigadista. I mean, using military Marxist terminology for what she's doing in America as a U.S. citizen. And this this is one of the names? I mean, did you ever think, as a person whose family escaped post-communist Soviet Union, the Russian Federation, that we would have people potentially on the Veep ticket who describe themselves as pro-Castro-Cuba brigadistas, Boris? Think no Fear, yes. And yeah. I'll tell you why. Explain. Just like anti-Semitism, which goes together with radical leftism, the, these notions, these terrible ideologies, they tend to travel and they tend to survive. And if you look at this country, you know, Eugene Debs in the 1920s, there's been a history of far leftism in this country. There's no two ways about it. You know, you look at Eugene Debs, you look at the 60s, you look at the 70s, you look at and, and then you look at where we are now. Right. right. The, 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 the real honest answer is that there's always been this far leftism and, and, and terribly, there's also been a far right movement, you know, a, 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 a movement that also has no place in America. But the problem is this. The problem is this. The far left and the far right are equally horrendous, right? The far, I'm talking about the radical left and the radical right. You know, the truly off-the-wall white supremacists on the right and the, and the communists on the left. But here's the issue. You don't have any elected far-right people in Congress. And you have at least, what, five yes. far-left? And that's at least. And then nobody criticizes them. Yeah, you, you, may, have, you have the squad, you have Bernie, yep. You have the squad, you have Bernie, you have Karen Bass. And here's the thing. Karen Bass is somebody people barely knew about. And they look at her, they look a little bit under the hood and, oh my goodness gracious. Right. She's a brigadista. And that's somebody who was considered to be a centrist. And I'm not, I am not here spreading any conspiracy theories or any of that. But look at where the Democrat Party is today. And they are far, far, far leftists this is the party of brigadistas of of the palazzo defund the police exactly open the borders Antifa. of um health care tax paid taxpayer funded health care for illegals let me look i i i had things i wanted to talk about and we can get to them and we have time but but we are organic we love you love this and i love it and i think you do too boris because our discussions are organic. We just have more more capacity to just just freewheel our thoughts than we do on on our radio segments. And by the way, as Shadow always reminds me, he is the strategic advisor for coalition relations on the Trump twenty twenty campaign. Follow him right now, Boris EP on Twitter, breakfastwithboris.com. I his co-host. I'm Sebastian Gorka. Follow me on Twitter, Seb Gorka, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, former strategist of President Trump and author of the latest book, The War for America's Soul. Our website is sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, sebgorka.com. Sorry, Shadow tells me I have to do that. Um, what, 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 here's what I want your, your input, because you always bring this fabulous, you inject our current affairs battle for 1600 discussions with with historic you know undergirding for what's what what we have to understand so here here's what i just realized as i'm listening to you talk about all these radical members of congress and and the senate the fascinating and just tell me if i'm wrong you're, you're my sanity check the fascinating thing about the extreme 
progression of the Democrat Party is one of only two parties we have in America, real parties. This this 2020 um, end result that is incontrovertible, that we have extremists, radicals, people like de Blasio, like the squad, like AOC, their radicalization is not a function of anything organic in terms of a demand from the American people. This isn't constituents. This isn't a grassroots. This isn't a, a function of a Democrat version of the Tea Party. What we're seeing today is really a, a function of an isolated radicalization of the left-wing elite itself. They're not doing it in response to the American people. They're doing it because they have become hostages to their own ideology from Gramsci through Alinsky through Bernie Sanders. There's, it, if there's anything truly astroturf in America, Boris, it is the radicalization of the Democrat Party. Am I, am I, am I making something up? No, you're totally right. The American public is actually much closer to the center right. Yes. The American public is not far to the left. The American public doesn't want, as a whole, doesn't want open borders. They don't want free medicine that we all have to pay for for everybody else. They, they don't want to defund the police. If you gave Americans, Americans truth serum... And you asked, do you want to defund the police? And they had to answer. Every watch voting it, watch it, watch it. Media Matters is going to say, Boris Epstein wants to inject all Americans. Okay, take it easy, Pam Vogel <laughs> and everybody else over there, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if, if everybody if, – if every Thought voting, experiment. Thought, if, thought experiment. experiment. If every voting-age American had to answer honestly about whether they support defunding the police, I will bet you that would be upside down 20 to 80. At, at, at most, 20% yes. would say yes, okay? And then if you ask – Again, with thought, with thought experiment, with truth serum, who would you call it the first sign of trouble? 99% would say the police. Who's going to say, oh, I'm going to call a social worker? Okay. AOC. I'm going to call AOC. I'm going to call a social worker, and that social worker will be done smoking weed, and then, you know, then, they, <laughs> you know, then they're going to, with all the respect, right? And then they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to they're do some, some, some crocheting, and then they're going to come over and help you out while you're getting robbed? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So um, talk to us about um, the favorability ratings, the polling, good news for the president in the last few days, and also closing the gap in the fake, even the fake polls. What is it, an eight-point gap that's been closed by the president in just the last 10 days? Absolutely, and it's closing more and more. The president is at 51% over the last couple of days in the, in, in the daily tracking poll. His enthusiasm is up over Joe Biden by about 20%. And then compared to where Barack Obama was at the same time, the president is up by about 6 to 8%. So President Trump— I didn't see that on the front page of the Washington Post. Huh. Huh. But that's he's beating Obama? The president of the United States is beating Barack Obama Compare when you compare where the president is today versus where Barack Obama was today. And that's, that's just the cold, hard truth. <laughs> uh, and, and you know what? If, if, if the left doesn't want to cover it, if the media doesn't want to cover it, well, that's their problem. But Barack Obama was at 44% at the same point of his presidency, and the president is at 51%. So we had uh, Conrad, Lord Conrad Black, on the show yesterday. He's a he's a, a regular every Tuesday from Canada, and he said something. You mentioned Obama. He said his theory is that that Obama has more control now after the John Lewis 
political speech. It wasn't a eulogy, it was a political speech. He has more influence on the Biden campaign as the ex-president than Joe Biden does. What do you think of that? Well, there's no doubt about that. Remember, when this started, when Biden was considering running, Obama said to his team, just don't let Joe embarrass himself. Just don't let Joe embarrass himself. So what does that mean? That means that, that Obama was directing... He was directing the Biden team on how they should run that campaign. And by the way, that's what they've done. He's been in the basement. Yes, COVID hit, et cetera, et cetera. But nevertheless, Biden is in a deep, dark basement somewhere, depth of Delaware. Okay? Right. So, yeah, Obama's got a lot of control over the campaign. But you know what? He's not the nominee. And if you remember, Obama as a surrogate really did not work out for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I mean, no. I remember I was, in, I, was in Cle- I was in Ohio with now the president of the United States, then the candidate Donald Trump in 2016, late October. And we had an event in Springfield, Ohio, I believe. And I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that was right. I'm sure somebody out there is going to fact check me. And I actually opened for the president. I opened for the candidate then. Wow. And I, I was the last one to speak before he went out. What and kind we, of feeling was that? It was, I've, you know, I've done a lot of interesting things, and, and as, as have you, and you know, t- a lot of TV. And this. There's nothing compares to being at a Trump rally, huge crowd in front of you, huge crowd behind you, and all they want is, is Donald Trump, and you're talking to him, you're <laughs> riling him up, and I had him going with Drain the Swamp, and, 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 and all, you know, we want Trump. And, and then I was literally, the, it was me, and then I came off, and then actually the, the president said, who was that? Who got him riled up? I go, it was me. It was me, sir. He goes, all right, well, here we go. And, nice. then, he, and then he went out there. So, but the point is this. There was such excitement in that it was it's sort of an indoor-outdoor arena. Indoor-outdoor, not even arena. It was almost like a Stadium. big horse barn or something like that, uh-huh. you know? And then uh, the same day, on the same day, Hillary Clinton was in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I think she, uh, she may have had Obama there, but she definitely had Jay-Z and Beyonce there. <laughs> and Jay-Z and Beyonce performed, and everybody left. And then later, Philadelphia, I think she had Obama there. And then the people heard Obama. Nah, not so interesting. And then Hillary came on. Nobody cared. Barack Obama is not a very strong surrogate. He's very self-centered. So when he talks about things, he either hits someone else or he talks about him. Right. But what's he going to say about Joe Biden? Well, how is he going to counteract, again, how is he going to counteract Joe Biden referring to a black reporter as a junkie on cocaine? Yeah. Asking how, him, how do you get out of that? What's, what's Obama going to say? Oh, you didn't hear that. Well, we did just hear that. Yeah. It happened. This is the guy that you chose as vice president. And by the way, the guy that Obama now, it's, out in the open, you could you could read the information. Had the same concerns about even t- you know twelve years ago now that that Biden was gaff prone, that Biden was you know was too uh, you know was too long winded. But this is twelve years ago, and now we have a guy who's the, who's totally different, but worse in so many ways. And you just retweeted something this morning. So this is the guy who when when did he get caught? Was it eighty two? He got caught or eighty eight. 88, when he got caught lifting whole passages from Neil Kinnett, the British Labour leader's speeches about the coal mine and blah, blah. I mean, literally, word for word, he gets caught plagiarizing, has to stop his presidential campaign then. And what have you? What, have, what did you find today? What has he been caught doing now with his new campaign? Well, he's been plagiarizing nonstop. He plagiarized in 88. He plagiarized this unity platform, a.k.a. the Communist Manifesto, from the, from the, he plagiarized the meat from the Sanders team, Sounds from the Democrat Socialist Sanders. He plagiarized the title for President Trump, okay? Uh, and then now he's plagiarizing Build Back Better 
from Andrew Cuomo, which, by the way, is one of the worst plagiarisms of all time because build back better doesn't even mean anything. No. No, what is, so he's actually stealing from another Democrat. He's stealing from a more popular Democrat. And, 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 and Kellyanne Conway gave him a pretty good nickname, Sticky Fingers Biden. Sticky Fingers Joe. Yeah. It's, oh, this, uh, that's it, pretty, pretty apropos, if you ask me. Totally. No, sticky, sleepy, creepy, sticky fingers. That's, that's the latest. What, I find it remarkable, don't you, Boris, that despite the incessant lies... The constant drumbeat of the fake news every single day. I mean, now we, we've played them on this show, but, but the last 10 days we've had this. Clearly, the talking points were issued how we have hosts and guests on CNN and MSNBC and others saying, well, well, clearly now we have a danger that the president will not leave the White House if he loses and there will be a, a coup and we'll have to remove him by force that from the party that had their candidate refuse to accept the election results in 2016. Still doesn't accept. Still, yeah, she still doesn't accept the results. Isn't it? Don't you find it remarkable how despite the deluge, the incessant influx of propaganda and lies that most people don't buy it? Isn't it remarkable? That's just, you know, that's the world we're living in. That's the truth of, of the situation and that, the Democrats have been lying for so long. The Democrats have been deceiving the American people for so long. And a lot of it goes to Bill Clinton and, you know, just openly lying about the, you know, the Monica Lewinsky thing. And by the way, I don't particularly care. You know, uh, it was, it was, oh, it was awful, but it was, it, you know, it was a private situation, but then he made it public because he did it in the White House. He did it. Well, in he his, lied about it under oath and, 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 then, and he burned poetry. And then he, and then he lied about it under oath. Right. And what was he thinking? He is a lawyer. He got disbarred for it, by the way. Right. He was a lawyer. He is the president of the United States. He is un- he's under oath. You know what? It was it was. It, and and from then on, the American people just looked uh, look look at Democrats and say, you know what? Yeah, not so much. Just can't trust you. I mean, Joe Lockhart, who was yes. who was Clinton's press secretary, is now the one writing that Biden shouldn't go to debates. Well, you think people you know people don't just forget they they associate Lockhart with Bill Clinton. And by the way, talk about talk about the media covering for the Clintons. Did you see on the front page of the Washington Post Bill Clinton going to Jeffrey Epstein's island? Uh, funny, I, like I missed that. I missed the CNN wall-to-wall coverage about the most famous, the most infamous pedophile in American history uh, and the latest disclosure that, uh, contrary to what has been said, uh, Bill Clinton did go to the pedo island of Jeffrey Epstein. It's it's remarkable. And again, you know, part of that was was it a lawsuit, and and that's a claim. But we don't. But do you really think that if this if that were a Republican? Former president, he would be getting the the kind oh. of the, the, the kind of backing and 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 sort of uh, you, you know the the friendly coverage that that Bill Clinton is getting. They're giving him a veneer. They're giving him a veneer of protection that Republicans never get in this country. And and this all goes back to the fact that over ninety percent of veneer of rep- of protection, not a venereal protection. No, but not veneer. I okay. I'm, I'm I just want to be because it is Jeffrey Epstein. Okay. I'm not getting into that. You know, okay. but that, people can think what they want. No, I said veneer of protection. Veneer that's they, of protection. They're okay. getting that protection, and that's that's what it is because the media in this country 
as we know from the facts, is over 90% liberal, and they look at Republicans with disdain. Actually, something I tweeted, remember last week from a reporter said, well, stop yelling at us on Twitter about how to do our jobs. But <laughs> all they do is yell at He's President Trump. The president. And, I, and then I asked on Twitter, I said, what are you, beyond reproach? Is that how the, that's how the media in this country thinks? They think they and yes. the Democrats, which are oftentimes blend together, are beyond reproach. Um, I forgot. Who's your favorite reporter? Potato Head, Brian Stelty. Um, oh, Stelty. Oh, of course. Uh, Stelty is the beacon of journalism saying, no, nobody's in favor of canceling de- the debate. No, but hang on. That's what I'm trying Stop stealing my thunder. Sorry. Thunder given back. Joe Lockhart, you mentioned him. He says, it's good. Stay. Don't debate. We don't need no debates. And then what does Stelty do yesterday or this morning? He says, that's a right-wing conspiracy from Fox News. The idea that Democrats are saying we shouldn't have a debate. Just Google it right now. You'll find multiple Democrats, senior commentators say, oh, no, oh, no, you can't have a debate with Donald Trump. And guess what? Joe Lockhart is literally a CNN political analyst. (laughs) I mean, you can't, you know, can I say the S word on on the podcast? You can't make this shit up. (laughs) I I think you just did. I did. It's crazy. You could not make the shit up. Okay, but do they believe it? They don't do they? They they they, they know they're lying, right? Stealthy knows. Potato Head knows he's lying. Well, I don't know. Potato Head. I mean, Potato Head's got trouble himself because he he contravened that the confidential yes, agreement with Nick CNN. Sandman. Oh my gosh, so, Nick Sandman. Oh. So so you know he may have had another reason to be crying in his bed. Yeah, I, you know, Tater Stelter. It's 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 impossible to know what goes through head that very 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 sizable head of his. You know. <laughs> I still don't know why he's got that show on CNN. And I actually, you know, I talk to people at CNN sometimes just for, you know, because of, because of the business I'm in, the job I have. And, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, the, more than often, I'll say, what are you guys doing over there with that guy? <laughs> it's, it, it, he I was w- a blogger. He was a blogger. And the guy who, who runs CNN, what's his face? Uh, Jeff Zucker, I think Zuck- he- Jeff Zucker read his blog and gave him a show. I mean, hey, that's a pathetic idiot. You know what? I've got a conspiracy theory. Uh oh. Go ahead. They kind of look alike. They maybe, do. He's maybe, long lost brother. Maybe, heads. maybe that's what it is. Maybe Jeff was just like, you know what? I need somebody else who looks who like looks me. Who looks like a potato. Who looks like me. Give, give him a um, show. Give him a show. The potato heads could have a show. <laughs> All right. We, how long have we been going? We've been going a decent amount of time. What do we have to discuss? What else is out there in terms of the, talk to us about the campaign. We have nine, we have 89 days left. What would she, what should we expect? And, how can people be part of making America great again? Well, the key is this, and, and we've talked about this. The key is for people to go to DonaldJTrump.com yep. and to, to sign up to vote, to sign up to make phone calls, to sign up to knock on doors, to sign up to register people to vote, and to do all they can to scream loud and clear about their support for President Trump. That is absolutely vital, and I know, my friends, since you've been you've been saying it on your show. You've got the political, you, you've got the you've got the specifics over there. Yeah, so I've been saying every day that just if you spend as a listener, as a viewer, if you just spend half an hour a day making calls for the president, wherever you are, you can be sitting in Massachusetts and making phone calls into Texas. The, the campaign will help you. It's trumptalk.gop, trumptalk.gop. But I'm so glad what you just mentioned. I did a, a GOP event here on Friday or Saturday, 
getting I, I think I think the campaign is just just exploding in terms of record breaking numbers. But one of the other most important things that anybody can do is to get their friends, their family neighbors, their family members and the neighbors registered to vote, correct, Boris? Absolutely so important. Again, go to DonaldJTrump.com. If you if you need more information, text. I know Seb's got the text line. Text into the line. We'll get you information. Or go to TrumpVictory.com slash Trump, lead, Trump team leader and sign up. Get your friends to sign up to vote. Get registered to vote. It's important. This is the most important election in our lifetimes. And that is not hyperbole. No. That is not hyperbole. Let's be honest. The choice between George W. Bush and John Kerry was somewhere in the ten base in the ten percent. Okay, it, John, you know, we preferred W. to John Kerry, but both were establishment candidates. Yes. The choice between Donald Trump, a true leader, a true conservative, someone who stands up for what this country is all about—opportunity, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, the right to own firearms. Yes. The, the a man who stands for what this country is all about versus the far left who wants to open, who want to open borders, who want to defund our police, who want to make America a scary place that Seattle and Portland are today. That is the contrast. That is the choice. That's why we have to reelect Donald Trump on November 3rd. Wonderful. Superb. He is the strategic advisor for coalition relations in the Trump 2020 campaign. Follow him, Boris E.P. on Twitter, breakfastwithboris.com. I'm Sebastian Gorka, former strategist to the president, host of America First, also on Twitter at Seb Gorka. The website is sebgorka.com. And please, it's less than three months. Don't sit there and just applaud. Don't just write a check. Become part of the army, the Trump army, the MAGA army, whatever what you want to call it. But it is the team that is making America great again. Go to DonaldJTrump.com, become a team leader, make phone calls for the president, and together we can win. Thank you, Boris. Thank you, my friend. Let's go get him.